Well, good evening. Good evening. Good, good, good. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Are you doing all right? Doing okay? You sure? All right, good. Turn to someone next to you and ask them, say, how are you doing? Really, how are you doing? Really ask them, how are you doing? How's life? Life doing all right? Be honest now. Be honest. You might need to continue that conversation later, right? I encourage you to, to check up on one another. See how one another is doing. Pray with one another. It's, it's, that's what we're here for. Amen. Our speaker for this evening is uh, Dr. Charles Self. He is uh, one of our online student advisors. Welcome, Dr. Self. He's one of our online student advisors here at NBC. Uh, he's been in ministry for a few years, and he's also um, an adjunct professor online and on campus. So, Dr. Sell, thank you for being with us this evening. Well, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you're in his presence tonight? You know, there's something about this chapel, a sense of holiness, a sense of God's presence there. And uh, our chaplain, Brother Nails, leads us to the Lord in a moment of worship. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, as I was coming over to the chapel service tonight, I was talking with a couple of the students, and I mentioned to one of the students that in my first church, I had a little lady who would bring an alarm clock to the church service. And always at 12 o'clock, the, the alarm would go off, and she would let it ring until I quit. So I always would watch her with that. Now, I, I see I've got a clock up here, um, but, and so I'm uh, be conscientious of it there. I live uh, out east of here, um, about uh, 20 miles, 30 miles out east. Uh, it's not quite to Kansas, but you can see it from our place. <laughs> Around our house, a lot of our, our people the neighbors have horses and you know I don't know a whole lot about horses um, in fact I can tell you about how many times on one hand that I ever have ridden a horse but um, I have a cousin who lives in Florida by the name of Kim and Kim raises horses and not only she raises them but she races them she does a lot of goes to the rodeos and shows and barrel racing her favorite horse is a horse by the name of Gillette. I always kind of kid her and said, well, she must have named him after the razor blades because it's kind of slick there. Uh, Gillette was, is a um, pinto and a part quarter horse. Recently, about a year ago, Gillette was attacked by a panther or a, a bobcat and it left him hurt, pretty badly hurt. For the last uh, year and a half, my cousin has been nursing him back to health and it's only just recently she has got him back to the place to where he can race once again and about, about a couple weekends ago she was racing him out on the track and she said that he was so glad to get back out racing again such a joy to be able to get out and run that she just had to kind of hang on for dear life uh, because he was just so eager to get out and run, and he ran out at full blast. But isn't that the way that the world sometimes seems going around about us? There's so many things going on at all different paces, different times. Everything's going around us, it gets very hectic. 
It seems the older I get, the faster everything becomes. Wouldn't you ever like to let things just slow down for a little bit and say stop for a little bit? Um, but that, we live in a very fast-paced world, a very uh, fast-paced time around us. In my first pastorate, it used to be a little bit of time of slower type of pastorate. Uh, we used to have to go out to the woods, especially at this time of year. We would have to go out to the woods to cut wood to heat the church. Now, if you can imagine this, this little country church, it was made of cinder block with no insulation. The only source of heat you had was a wood stove. Um, and so if you wanted to keep warm on Sunday, you had to start on Thursday with that, with that wood stove to keep the fire burning. Now, I don't know why it is about the, the, that church, but when they built the church and they built that one stove in the church, you would think they would make it to where the church and the stove were all in one piece, in one place together. Instead, if you think of where, where you're sitting, think of that the congregation, where the congregation would sit, and right across here, there was a wall, a solid wall. Back here was the, the stove. And the only way to get the heat from the stove from here was they had to use a ventilator and a fan to push it through a ventilator staff to go through the, the side there. Um, you, 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 in winter times, you especially learn to keep the sermons short with that. One day we were out cutting some wood, and one of the men in my church said to me, Pastor, you're too much of an idealist. You always try to see things in black and white, and you always try to look for the good in people. And things aren't always black and white, and people aren't, aren't always good. But, you know, I kind of took that as a compliment uh, coming from him, and I thought about that several different times since uh, he said that to me. You know, it's almost as if he said, you know, the world wants to see things today in uh, shades of gray. But wouldn't it be nice if we could see things in black and white? The world today talks about tolerance and political correctness. You know, I would rather to see things as they are and speak the truth in love. One of my favorite writers is a man by the name of E. Stanley Jones. Uh, e. Stanley Jones used to be a missionary to Egypt. He was one of the uh, few men who was elected to the highest office in his church, and he turned it down because he had such a heart for the people of India. And so wherever E. Stanley Jones went, the people of India would often give him a salute and just kind of shake their hand and give him the salute. And wherever E. Stanley Jones went and he saw the salute, he would salute back because he realized that what they were saying in that salute, that Jesus is Lord. And that became the salute between East Stanley Jones, the missionary, and the people that he was, was trying to serve. Uh, Dr. Jones asked the question at one time. He said, is Christianity the way? Is Christianity the way to do everything, the way to act, the way to feel, and the way to be in every circumstances? Can we not really see the world in two filters? Uh, that is Christianity being the way and then those who are the unchristian being not the way? Are there no exceptions? That was one of the questions that East Stanley Jones was, was asking, and that's one of the questions that we have to face. Have you asked yourself that question? And have you come to the place in your life where you have answered that question? 
My text tonight is taken from the book of Galatians, the uh, second chapter, the 20th verse. It should be a verse that is very uh, familiar to you. And I believe that it's, this is one of the questions that the Apostle Paul faced. Even as we know when Paul wrote the book of Galatians, it's one of the earliest books that he wrote. And one of the main questions that Paul was facing in the Galatians was, did you have to become a Jew to be a Christian? Uh, but in the writings of the book of Galatia, possibly one of the very first books Paul wrote, he shares a lot of his personal testimony, his personal life in the, this book. And it, it gives a sense of his sense of faith and a key to faith. Now, there's not any of us here in this room who don't have some understanding of the Apostle Paul and uh, his ministry. We know how he first persecuted Christians until the day that he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, and Christ changed the direction of his life completely. I believe that as Paul was writing the Galatians, book of Galatians, and as we look at this one verse in Galatians, that Paul had three secrets to share with us through this one verse. Um, and, and that is that, first of all, Paul mentions that it's Christ instead of me. Second, it's faith instead of feelings. Third, it is now instead of later. But let's take a look at the verse there Paul is mentioning here in Galatians, the second chapter, the 20th verse. When I was, uh, first became a Christian, this is one of the very first Bible verses I ever memorized. So let's read this text. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now you should have that verse underlined in your Bible. Uh, not only should you have it underlined in your Bible, but you should also underline the, the last two words of that verse. Uh, the words are for me. Listen to the words. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself, how? For me. Let's say it together. Christ gave himself for me. You know, that's a very radical thought. Um, this, these, this verse, you know, was so radically changed. Christ so radically changed Paul's life so that he could say, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I want to take that little word I for a moment. And if we put some parentheses around this word I. Because there's several different ways to look at this verse and to look at that little word I uh, being within this verse. But notice as Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. So what I uh, is he referring to? Is he referring to the person he was and the life that he lived before he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road? Or is he referring to that, that I after he met uh, Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road? I tend to believe at this point he's referring to the life that he met, where he met Christ, um, the life he led before he met Jesus on the, right to the road. See, Paul had one goal in life. He wanted to live a holy life. 
He wanted to know the way to heaven. He wanted to be seen as being righteous in the eyes of God. So he did everything he knew to do what was right. He was raised as a Pharisee. In fact, in his testimony, he calls himself a Pharisee of, of the Pharisees. He tried to live his life according to the law of God uh, as he best understood it. He was so zealous in trying to follow that law that he was willing to go out and to persecute Christians, to drag them from their homes, to uh, cast them into prison, and possibly even to uh, take the, the, some of their lives until on the Damascus Road where Jesus stopped him in his tracks. And what a difference that made. Has Jesus ever stopped you in your tracks? You know, I remember a time in my life when I thought I had the world by the tail, kind of just living the way I wanted to live. I used to play the guitar, and I still love playing the guitar. Um, I used to play in a rock band. I used to play in some of the, the nightclubs and the bars. But I remember one night leaving the bar about 2 o'clock in the morning and walking back toward base, and all of a sudden, Jesus stopped me. And I saw what was the beacon light of the airfield. And as if Jesus began to say to me, Charles, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? What do you think that you're doing with your life? Had Jesus ever stopped you in your tracks? If he hasn't, one day he will. He will. On the Damascus Road, Paul learned that it wasn't his own righteousness. It wasn't all the things that he was trying to do that would get him into heaven. It wasn't his righteousness that would make him righteous before God. There on the Damascus Road, Paul learned instead that it was Jesus' death and resurrection that made all the difference in the world, that made all the difference in his life. So Paul could say, the life that I lived before I met Christ, the old I has been crucified with Christ. And notice that he uses the word crucified. That's not just some figure of speech. Because whenever we think of the word crucified, automatically our thoughts and minds go back to the one who was crucified on the cross and the price that he paid uh, for us. And Paul is saying because of what Jesus did on the cross, the power of sin has been broken in our lives. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And Paul is saying this crucifixion is something radical within our lives. We must die to our old life, to our old way of living. You know, we don't like to think about that word crucifixion, but I believe that there's something very important that the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us, that in that concept of crucifixion is a concept of a radical commitment or a consecration, if you would. The, the crucifixion of a, a radical committed, a radical step of faith. Paul is saying we can be freed from the bondage and slavery of sin. Our lives can be transformed, but we must be willing to crucify the I, whether it be our old lifestyle, our old 
pattern of living or that, that inner self within us. We must be willing to crucify that self-will of our lives so that the power of sin can be broken within our lives. And we must, we must die with Christ. And by faith makes Christ's death our own and his resurrection our own. Paul says it's not by our works that will get us to heaven, but it's what Jesus did on the cross. How? For us. Boy, the key, key words. Paul reminds us also that it's by faith, not by feeling. Paul goes on to say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul saying, my life's a brand new life. I have a whole new lifestyle. It's no longer I, but Christ lives in me. Later in the book of Romans, Paul goes on to say, for me to live is Christ. You know, doesn't it seem kind of interesting that from the moment we get saved, that there seems to be a struggle sometimes within our Christian lives? Uh, there there seems to be an, almost a sense of a, a no man's land. The, after the moment we are saved. Although we know that we've been freed from the guilt of sin the, and the, the power of sin, we still struggle sometimes with that question of the I and that question of who is truly going to be the, the Lord of our lives. So that's why Paul said that I need to be crucified. Wouldn't it be nice if once we were saved, we were raptured up to heaven and uh, just taken on, on up to be with, with the Lord there? No, the Lord leaves us here to live for him as an example of how to live by faith. Not just any kind of faith, but by faith in the, the Son of God. Now, I have to admit, it's not easy to be a Christian in today's world. Uh, and sometimes it does seem to be there are times of struggles. And then there are some times when we are times where we are uh, kind of on the mountaintop. And wouldn't it be nice to always be up on the mountaintop? Um, but... We don't, those mountaintop experiences often don't last. And sometimes when we come off the mountaintop, it's so easy to get discouraged. You know, and it's okay to realize that happens. It's okay to realize that there's maybe times when we may get discouraged. But Paul reminds us in this passage that we're saved not by feelings, but by faith. I remember uh, Bill Bright always used to like to talk about the the train of faith. And it always would mention you know, three, three cars on the train. There was the engine, there was the coal car, and there was the caboose. Now so often today, so many people want to take the caboose and move it up to the engine. You know, the caboose is feelings. You know, the, that doesn't work. Uh, the, the engine, uh, is, the Christian life doesn't work that way. The engine of faith runs on the fact of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and upon a commitment, upon that consecration, upon that crucifixion of the I. Uh, there is only room for one Lord. It can't be feelings. That is, we need to go back to the, the engine is the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the coal car is that we live by faith. The new life we are to live, we live through the Holy Spirit. It's by faith in the, the Son of God. From the beginning to the end of our life, it has to be one of a total uh, commitment, total dependence 
on Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. There's three times the Apostle Paul uses the word crucifixion in this book. This passage here in 2.20, then in the third uh, chapter where he talks about the crucified Christ, and then in the fifth chapter where he talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit um, and living life by the Holy Spirit and crucifying the flesh through the, the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, one fruit, nine different characteristics of, of that fruit. Um, and there are some who said that, that of that fruit, as Paul talks about each of those three, it's almost as if you could put them in three different categories. One, the first three uh, characteristics of the fruit is our relationship to God. The second three is our relationship uh, with each other. And the third is our relationship with ourselves there, and our relationship with, with Christ. Um, I like the way William Barclay ends that fifth chapter where he says that we are to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Paul reminds us that this crucified life is for now, not for later. Now instead of later. Remember I told you about my cousin. You know, she said sometimes you just kind of have to hang on for dear life when everything is kind of rushing past you. The Apostle Paul would say, hang on to the Holy Spirit. Hang on to faith. And allow the Holy Spirit to work his sanctifying grace in and through your life. Hang on even when there seems to be nothing left to hang on for. In my first church, I had a gentleman who was 94 years old when he passed away. When he died, just shortly before he died, I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. But as I was doing that, I kept wondering and thinking, this gentleman, you know, how much he could have influenced the hearts and lives of others but he waited until the very end before he accepted Christ. And I thought about that in trying to, to share Christ with his children, with his fa family. And he had five sons. And every one of his sons said to me the very same thing. They said, if my dad can wait to the last minute to get saved, I can wait to the last minute to get saved. If it worked for dad, it'll work for us. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. That's putting yourself in pretty dangerous territory to do that. E. Stanley Jones also asked a question. He said, is it hard to live the Christian life? He answered it by saying, it's not hard to live the Christian life any more than it's hard for your heart to beat or your lungs to breathe. But you have to come to the place in your life where you can say with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I live, but Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. E. Stanley Jones says, this has come to become the deepest conviction of my life. If this is not true, then it doesn't really matter. But if it is true, and it is, then nothing else matters. Have you come to the place where you can say with the Apostle Paul, 
I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live, not I, but Christ who lives within me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself how for me. Would you stand together with me? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this remembrance of the Apostle Paul. It brings each of us to the very same place where we ask ourselves, have I been crucified with Christ and am I now living a life of faith through him? Is Christ instead of me? Is faith instead of feelings? It's now right now, instead of later. May the God bless you. Thank you for being here. Amen.